Welcome to the station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neal, and I'm joined by John Berardo, director and co-writer of Initiation. It's very cool to have you here. Um, it's really cool to be here, virtually, if that is, you know. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Tonight, uh, I'll try to put this up so it makes sense. Tonight, it's going to be playing at the drive-in at Screamfest. Yeah, yeah. I, I could not be more excited. Uh, Screamfest is a really, you know, near and dear special special festival to us and the crew on the film and we just couldn't be more more excited to do it there i assume when you were making a movie you didn't uh think that it would play at a drive-in at some point oh you are absolutely right i did not and i have actually you know not until the actual opening night i'd never been to a drive-in oh really really it, it was my very first experience and i i was just you know it reminded me a little bit of Halloween Horror Nights, you know, or like Not Scary Farm. There's a there's a there's a spirit when you go to a horror film, just even in the theater itself. So to have it in that drive-in setting, and you know, you can feel the spirit of the other cars, and you know, some people are out of their cars. It's, it was it was cool. Yeah, yeah. I grew up going to the drive-in. I'm a I'm an old man, but I yeah. In the in the early '80s, mid '80s. Uh, Probably when I was like five or six, I started going to the drive-in, which is probably way too young to see horror movies. But an older uh, brother, single mom, that. she would take me along instead of getting a, a babysitter. Yeah. So it worked out. Totally. But yeah, how does that affect actually, uh, you know, getting your movie out there? The COVID or drive-in? Uh, well, COVID in general. I yeah. guess the drive-in is, is, a nice, uh, is a nice alternative. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the... You'd think COVID would stop the movie from getting out there, but we we we've been able to to persevere this year. We were we were scheduled to to uh, be a midnighter at South by Southwest in March, and pretty much uh, you know it, it all happened like you know March thirteenth. I remember was our premiere date, and that was the day that the president said, "Oh, maybe this is a bad disease." And so I think that, you know, if this movie has done anything, it's proven that, that you can still get a movie out there if, you know, you have enough people who believe in it and, you know, the right kind of team behind it and uh, the right kind of movie that people want to see. And so I think that uh, this movie has been able to really uh, stand against the pressures of COVID and, you know, audiences watch movies at home all the time and if anything COVID has really changed if not you know at least steered the way that we think of how we are going to watch movies you know the studio system the, the distribution system it's it's all going to change but making a movie you know that's that's something that's it's always going to be it's always going to get easier for people to do because we've got phones in our pockets but um, you know, COVID has really given us the opportunity to rethink how we can do that even as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Speaking of phones, actually, uh, I'm always annoyed by people uh, using their phone in a movie because it's like you just see a person on their cell phone and you don't really see that. But I thought you, uh, you had an interesting way of dealing with that where it still made it interesting to, to watch the movie visually. Oh, thanks. Yeah. That, that was um, important to make a, um, we wanted to make a movie with characters that really use cell phones that like the way that we do nowadays, we use phones a certain way every day. And I hadn't been able to watch a movie where I felt like I saw 
characters in film and TV using phones the way that I did just every day. So, uh, you know, whenever we did that, we, it was important to make sure the actors had like real Instagram accounts and were really texting each other and really doing it that way. And I think that that gave the actual performance, you know, what something that the audience hadn't really seen before, you know, or don't, doesn't see too frequently um, the relationship that we have with social media. Yeah. And uh, sometimes like to, to get around that, there'll be some like uh, very like uh, obvious reason why they, someone doesn't have their cell phone. So I like that, it, you know, especially if it's many people, why wouldn't no one have the cell phone, but to use it in a, in a way it made sense. And um, because it's also kind of billed as, you know, a, a throwback to slasher films and it is, but it's also modern with the use of uh, social media and I also think just uh, the way you handle a lot of like the the social topics like uh, sexual assault, a lot of that in the movie, I think wouldn't even been seen as sexual assault in like uh, in the late seventies or eighties. Absolutely, yeah. That's thank you. I I think that that's really great to hear because making a a, a movie about sexual assault nowadays, you can go you can do it so wrong, and it, it's. I, with the short film, I made it for the uh, USC Media Institute for Social Change when I was in grad school at USC. And I learned, or you know, one of the goals of that class was to learn how do you take a social issue and get somebody to understand it. It doesn't have to you know, be a PSA or hit the nail over the head, but it, you know, it's important as artists to be able to learn how to take social issues and incorporate them into a fun movie that we want to watch, you know, not like a movie that we you know, rent at the library. Like we want, we want, you know, I want to go to a horror movie and be able to have it be a reflection of my life and the world that I live in and that kind of horror that the horror that we experience nowadays, even in sexual assault is uh, something that I feel like uh, for the horror genre, especially the slasher is such a great uh, topical theme to play with because horror films are so misogynistically or they're so misogynist, you know, stereotypical. Yeah, because I mean, all of us grew up, I'm wearing a Halloween shirt and stuff, but a lot of us grew up with the slasher films and, we, you know, we think of, you know, and I still love those and stuff, but there are a lot of issues. Yeah. That, you Not know. dogging them at all. Oh, no, I understand. Yeah. yeah. But is that hard to do to do both? Because like you said, you don't want to hit people over the head, you want to preach to people. So you still want an enjoyable movie on if you don't even get anything out of it besides just watching a horror movie, but at the yeah. same time to have something in there more if people are looking for it. Yeah, I think that it, it is it is definitely important to do with a horror film. You look at movies like Get Out and, uh, you know, because horror has the ability to expand, I think, an audience's member mind more, more so than a lot of other genres. It puts us in a place of vulnerability when we watch horror movies. We're trusting the, the, the director and the, the movie itself with ourselves to be scared, you know, and if, if it's done well, it's a fun ride. Like Halloween has characters we care about and it's a fun ride and it's scary. And I think that it really spoke to people when it came out and it still speaks to people today because Halloween's very transcendent or horror is transcendent through each decade. It speaks to people. Yeah. Um, and so why not use that type of genre to try to get a good message out there? 
when you said about people, you know, care about the characters in Halloween and uh, in initiation, there's a long time uh, before you really get to uh, the traditional horror of the movie. And, yeah. I, you know, I assume that's to get people to care about the characters. So when things start to happen, it means more to you. Absolutely. And that, that was a, a constant battle that we fought, I think, trying to get the movie made. The, the, the number one thing I heard was, you know, you need horror to happen earlier. You need horror to happen earlier even whenever we made the movie and uh, we screened it to people, like that was one thing that we were consistently told and I'm still expected to hear, or yeah, I still expect to hear uh, because people do have expectations for the genre, but I believe like what you said, if you can give the characters some time to, uh, to get to know the audience and vice versa, you know, the, then they're going to feel bad when we see them going through these horrible you know, life-threatening moments. Mm -hmm. And I always think um, a big part of the slasher genre is not necessarily just the kills, but it's uh, the chase is, I think, is more important than the kill. And uh, that's done well in in initiation. Awesome. I am so glad to hear you say that because I read that, I know you did last summer, uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Helen being chased by the fisherman hook scene so many times. Like I looked up, like that was one huge, I think it's a great chase scene. And obviously Sidney Prescott at the end of Scream is, is just epic, but you really, I wanted to find that, that, that 90s horror thriller, you know, kind of vibe that was put into the slasher genre. You know, in Halloween, you know, and, and Jason, you did have great kills and you had some pretty good mini chases in the 80s horror films, but the 90s, you know, you really brought in those like 10 minute long sequences that are, you know, they're just like a great thrill ride. And I'm so glad to hear that that, that satisfied you for the yeah, end. That builds more suspense to me. And uh, But about the 80s, I always think uh, the best part of the, the Friday 13th movies is... Um, when the other characters discover the bodies, which is also yes. something in initiation. Yeah. 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 I, uh, I agree with that. And, and I, I, one of my favorite scenes to shoot was uh, the discovery of, of our first kill with the, the, the two actors that played uh, Bo and Dylan, my brother and Gallon. Yeah. And they're also shot very bright. So, uh, you know, they're not, re- you see the gore, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I like gore too. I like, you know, I talked about serious stuff in the movie, but, you know, a horror fan, I like the gore as well. Got to give the fans what they want, right? Right. Uh, who did the effects? What's up? This is James D. Lamont from It Came From The 5-Weight Productions inviting you to listen to Culture Shock every second Monday right here on WithoutYourHead.com. Um, well, uh, our makeup artist is Gabby Castellanos. She's, uh, she's been working with me since I was at USC. Um, and then the, the visual effects, like the, the VFX, because our, our, our horror was a mixture of both. Um, you know, you learn like how, how much easier it is to maybe add a, a digital knife or some digital blood because you got like 16 days to shoot the movie and you don't have time because blood's time consuming. So we have a mixture of both in the movie. We have prosthetic limbs. We have, you know, a, a lot of a good good synchronicity between it but our our post team uh is a company called conversion in australia and you know i sat with some of them in in adelaide just watching them paint some some blood shots that we needed fixed and you know really sort of adding on to what we have on set 
Yeah, it looks good. And I noticed uh, uh, Lindsay uh, Levanchi, who's uh, one of the main characters, um, she's also um, a co-writer. So yeah. how did that work out? So Lindsay and I went to UCLA together. I was a directing major and she was an acting major in the theater school. And I just started, I, we instantly connected. And uh, when you're a director, it's really important to have relationships with actors because when you write scripts or you have scripts, you want, you want actors you trust to read them out loud and give you feedback because actors, they play these roles and they're going to give you the best feedback on dialogue and character when you write a movie. And Lindsay would come to all of our readings since day one. And as she would read the characters, and I've always, always believed Lindsay to be one of the best actresses I've ever worked with, which is why I, I initially wrote Ellery with her in mind. And she came to the readings and I, was, I thought, wow, you can really bring something to the script. And, you know, I've worked with her as a director, you know, director, actor multiple times. And it just made sense. She was a great writer. And, um, you know, it took me a while to get uh, this movie done. And so after the Me Too movement, you know, Lindsay came on before the Me Too movement, but, you know, she really brought uh, an authenticity to a lot of the characters. Because when you do write a horror movie, it's easy to go to that stereotype, you know, type of dialogue. But like you said, being able to connect with the characters at the beginning was so important to do. And so by having dialogue that was realistic, that we could relate to, Lindsay brought a lot of that. And it was a really, um, it, it is a really amazing sort of experience to see, you know, her just transform into Ellery. And I also just knew that Ellery was going to be such an important character to know an actor could do in 16 days in such a complicated character. So it was a beautiful experience. You said it took a while for you to get the movie made. And I know yeah. it's your first uh, feature uh, direction. Uh, well, f I know you, you directed on a, like an anthology, but your first exactly, feature yeah. that you directed. So what yeah. was that whole experience like to, you know, I was going to say you've done short. So how different is it besides it just being longer? Well, um, the directing a feature film is the it is nothing like directing a short. It is uh, it, it it's basically taking what you learn about directing a short and making it really big and being able to like it's you know it's it's like looking at like everything extremely close up and knowing that big picture it all works story wise because your story is the most important thing when it comes to a movie at the very, the very beginning. I mean, in general, it's always the most important thing. And if you don't have a, a really great story, but a good idea, maybe, you know, people are interested in your movie and, you know, they, they may want to, you know, know more about it or, or invest in it. But I felt like when I graduated USC, I had a really great short. That was a good idea, simple story. Um, but how to expand that into a feature film was a challenge that I continued to learn as I worked on it. Um, I had have written probably hundreds of drafts of the script. I have written hundreds of drafts of the script. I steered my entire life to figure out how to get this movie, not only the best script possible, but made. And once, you know, we had a really, uh, 
doable scripts and you you know the money's real that's when everything just starts to kind of come together and it's like you know you know this is real so you need to make sure your script is the best it can be with the amount of time you have to shoot it what's realistic you got to look at how much money do you have what's the reality of making this project the best it can be without sacrificing the project um i i knew that i wanted to you know to like make the next scream I wanted to do that and that was because I saw Scream when I was so young and I wanted to make that movie for kids nowadays you know it's just it reeks reeks of of the culture yeah it's probably too early though along like like the idea of Scream would you like to do a sequel or you know more of the the same uh, initiation no yes I would not five obviously right maybe not even six but I not yet anyway yeah maybe seven i mean maybe six maybe seven maybe eight <laughs> right surely just because it you know we live in a day and age to where the fans can become the artists and uh i you know i'm a huge drag race fan and if you watch drag race that's the show where you see fans who grew up watching the show then five years later being a star on it that's the way that media works nowadays I was a little boy. I watched Scream, and we live in a day and age to where, you know, if you want to bad enough, you can, you know, be a part of that world and try to give your artistry and what you want to offer to it. Um, and so uh, I think that uh, the the fans are the ones who, who make the – the the movies happen and uh the uh the best thing that i i I also just when i think about about getting this movie made the the team that went behind it and just the people that really have to actually believe in and getting this kind of project made is just (laughs) it's astronomical you need you need everybody to believe in it to to get it to that level to where people can enjoy it I know you met. Uh, you said uh, Lindsay. You met in in school. Um, how about the rest of the crew? Did you? Because I knew you did the festivals before that. Do you meet any of the people that you work on at the festivals? Uh, at the film festivals. Yeah. Let me think about that. Actually, well, you know, Rachel, the uh, Scream Fest director, she is she is like a true Scream queen. She she is she saw the short and has been able to really, you know, just be involved with the filmmakers careers um, and introducing you to people who, uh, you know, are interested in the movie, but you as a filmmaker. And so I would say more so what I, the, I met everybody on this movie, either in, in school or grad school or working, you know, on, on previous projects. Um, but the, the cool thing about this is, you know, Max Hamilton and Lindsay Levanchi, they were in the short. And so I went to UCLA with both of them. I cast them in my plays when I was at UCLA. And when I went to USC, I continued to cast them in projects because they're good. If you're a director and you've got act, especially horror, it's not good acting is what makes a good horror movie too, not just a good story. Yeah. And so if you have actors who are willing to commit and make it look like they actually are terrified for their lives and not be self-conscious and you're able to get that kind of performance from them, because being an actor in a horror film is very difficult. Um, So when you have that, use it and take it to the bank. And 
uh, grow that relationship because that's what I did. So I went to USC with Max and Lindsay on my, my uh, you know, list of actors I love to work with and write projects for. And then I met Brian and I met, you know, the, I, the, the Brian, the producer, co-writer, um, uh, John Pope, the DP, uh, the editor, Christina Lyons, um, Alexander Arnson, the, uh, the composer, um, we've all worked together for 10 years and a lot of, I mean, all, all of the people I named were part of the short film. So it's like it, you become a family and your family just gets bigger and there's no way in hell I would have, this movie would be made if I didn't know those people for sure. You know, we met our first investor through John Pope, who I went to USC with, who is the DP on the movie. It's really about your network, but when your network provides those open windows and that opportunity, you got to be ready. You got to be ready for that. And, and that, you know, that's what, you know, the network will give you that the moments for. So initiations playing tonight. Um, Thursday when we're recording this anyway at a screen fest and it might be too early, but do you know where it goes from here? Well, it's going to be at Sitges next, next week uh, in Spain. And uh, after that, uh, the, uh, the, strip, the domestic distributor Saban, the movie was acquired by Saban back in uh, summer and uh, they are going to start ramping up early 2021 for, you know, hopefully a spring release. Okay. Uh, that's uh, what we're in talks for. But you know what? 2020, COVID, who knows what could happen? You just got to be right. yeah. hoping for the best, but prepare for the worst. Right. Yeah. I remember, yeah, several months ago, everyone assumed, you know, at this point in time, everything would be back to normal. So who knows about what's going on in 2020? What is normal nowadays? <laughs> right. But uh, congratulations on uh, on this uh, playing tonight and in uh, distribution and, and the movie in Thank general, you. getting it finished. Thank you so much. And thank you for watching it. And, you know, recognizing all the things that I had hoped that horror fans or fans in general would, would recognize about the movie and identify with and see. Yeah. You're welcome. And uh, yeah, thanks for doing the show. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah. Have a good day. From ancient terrors to the search for modern day conspiracies, the tomb of Nick Cage is the new sound in horror rock. Uncover the mystery of old world horror for the new world order on iTunes, Amazon, and more. Ripley, we should have The Tomb of Nick Cage. They're coming at night! Mostly! 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 Find out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Tomb of Nick Cage. They're coming at night! Hi. Sue's Lanier Bramlett here, the original Brenda from Wes Craven's The Original Hills Have Eyes. Yeah, but right now I want to talk about boating. Um, this is a picture of my dad. 
Now, he was neither a loser or a sucker, as Trump has referred to our servicemen and women who sacrifice their lives daily to defend democracy. Like John McCain, my dad was caught, captured and tortured in World War II, fighting a vicious dictator who killed millions of people. Now, I don't know about you, but I've had it with this current administration. I would love to have a president who represents decency, someone who doesn't lie, someone who's not afraid to show his tax returns, someone who believes in science, not just padding their own pocketbook, and someone who wants to unite the people, not divide them. I hope you're registered to vote, and please consider supporting Joe Biden and Kamala Harris in this most important election of my lifetime, and probably yours too, Biden-Harris 2020. Thank you.